Hello again listeners and welcome to another edition of the Just Checking In podcast. This podcast as always is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. As always, I'm your host, Freddie Cocker, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Vent. As you may know by now, each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have a natter about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they're passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. On to my special guest now, and this is someone who, for a man so young, has already been on a pretty big journey. The maturity he's shown to deal with massive changes in his life has been an inspiration to, I'm sure, everyone around him, and someone I'm so excited to chat with about how he's dealt with the hurdles he's had to overcome. So I'm delighted to welcome the big man himself, Mr. Jacob George. Jacob is an engineer from East London and someone who I became friends with through, shall we say, the East London and Essex secondary school network. Is that probably right? Yeah, that's probably yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> um, Jay, welcome to the Just Checking In pod, mate. First of all, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Fred. Um, now, we've got a lot to get through on this episode, shall, so shall we just get started straight away? Yeah, let's crack on. I wanted to get straight into it with you, Jacob, on this first topic, mate. Mm-hmm. So let's kick off by talking about your journey. Now let's sort of walk into it a little bit if we can. So first of all, just talk to me about your childhood, your teenage years and the Jacob we meet at that stage. Yeah, so I had a pretty normal upbringing. Mm. Uh, Mum and dad, I was raised, raised in South London. Um, yeah, and everything was pretty normal, I suppose. I was an only child, mm. so I was quite spoiled. Mm. Yeah, mum and dad. Raised me well, to be fair. I can't really complain. Mm. Um, growing up, moving to East London, bit of a change of like demographic, I suppose, and people. Mm. Like, well, from south to east. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. From, from Brixton to South Woodford, there's quite a big uh, change. Mm. Demographic, social yeah, demographic, yeah, yeah, cultural yeah. demographic. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But um, no, I loved it. Um, and navigating secondary school, I'm sure for for many people, including myself, can be a pretty tumultuous time. Um, what were your experiences and memories of it, and 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 was it a time you felt where you ever struggled? To be honest, I kind of really I did enjoy secondary school. Mm. I think that was sort of like one of the best years of my life. To be fair, um, yeah, just meeting all like friends for life that I'm still friends with now. Mm. Good group of guys. Um, yeah, just getting up to mischief. And, mm. Yeah, I had quite a lot of fun. So you're quite, you're quite blessed and lucky in that I sense. I was, yeah, yeah. I was. I was sort of like... Yeah. Don't, yeah. So lucky. Yeah, yeah I was for lucky. Sure. Um, we, we get to sixth form now, and you're sort of developing as a man, and you're sort of navigating your way through mm. the inner politics of the sixth form college, yeah. so to speak. Mm. Um, now, come A-level results time... And university isn't the pathway that you go down. Yeah. However, for the for the vast majority of year group, and I'm sure everyone in our neighbourhoods, yeah. in our areas, you know, yeah. it was almost like an assumption that we'd all go to university. It was, it was like the be all end all really mm. for me because me personally, I'm not very academic. Mm. I'm more of a hands on type of guy. Mm. And um, I always pictured myself going to uni. I applied. I didn't get the grades that I wanted. So that was a big knockback for me. Mm. And there was a shock. All my friends were going off to uni and I was left well, basically, it's in South Wilford by myself. Mm. So I thought I was going to lose touch with my friends, started mm. getting a bit worried about it. Um, I was, was a bit down about it. But in the end, um, it worked out well in the end, actually, uh, in my favour. 
started working for a few years. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's got my apprenticeship. Mm. And and was that hard for you to come to terms with when you had that moment where your friends were all going off and, you know, all, all of... I mean, it's probably the same for a lot of people where you wouldn't even talk to your mates whilst you're at uni and yeah. then you come back and you're all like mates again yeah, and yeah, hang yeah. out. Was, it, was that hard for you to come to terms with? Uh, sort of, you tricky. trying to keep in contact with them and them not being maybe as responsive as you'd like? Or well, even before that, what happened was that I didn't actually get into my sixth form, so... I didn't get I didn't get the grades I needed to get into my own sixth form, mm. so I had to go to a different college, and mm. uh, I started to feel disconnected from my friends, mm. and um, yeah, you do miss out and stuff. You know what mm. I mean? You feel like you're being left out mm. from being like in school with them every day, um, and being like I don't know, I suppose the the in crowd, mm. and then you're sort of sort of slipping away from them. Mm. Yeah, that was a bit of a knockback. When they came back from uni and stuff like that. Like you said, that's how we met. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, it was good. Did you ever feel like you missed out by not going to uni? And and do you did you ever feel like if you had gone, it would have maybe not changed you up as a person, but had some sort of impact upon you that you 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 regret or, or wish you had um, done? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it would have made me a bit more independent, I suppose. But um, you're pretty independent now. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, it's true. Um, no, I would have liked to have gone uni and um, experienced it, mm. party inside. I think it would have also probably come with a lot of stress as well, mm. meeting deadlines and dissertations and things like that. I'm not really good at. So, um, and not only that, but living away from home, it can uh, have effect on some people, do you mm. know what I mean? So, mm. yeah. Post 18 now, and and you, you like you said previously, you know you're thrust into this big bad world, and you're sort of left to fend for yourself in many ways, mm. um, and have to find a job to have any form of livelihood, which I'm sure is a massive pressure and something that I'm sure many of us came had to had to do when we came back from uni. To be honest, mm. um, so what was the first thing you did, and, and how did you begin that journey to sort of become the engineer that you are today? So funny, I was just working. First of all, part-time in Marks and Spencer's, just mm. doing retail stuff. Mm. Um, and then I gradually built up to doing it full-time. I thought, this is not for me. I mean... I'm, was that hard for you, that sort of retail? It was. Yeah. It was just a bit like... It was really boring and repetitive. And it just felt like I was going nowhere in my mm. life. I thought, is this going to be me for the next 20, 30 years? And I, it was getting me down a bit. And I, I just really just wanted to make it in something. Um, and I didn't have a clue. And um, mm. one day... I was I was placed on self checkouts and um, they used to break quite often, mm. so I used to just try my best to try and fix them. Mm. And um, I used to tell my girlfriend and my mum about, it and they said, "Why don't you apply for an apprenticeship doing engineering? Because you're mm. good with your hands, you're mm. not academic, and that suit you down to the ground." Mm. And they have that trade yeah, up under your belt. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, I'll give it a shot. Um, lucky enough, my uncle he worked in an engineering firm and he managed to get me some work experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done that and I applied for the apprenticeship but unfortunately I didn't get it so mm. I was gutted and that was the one I really wanted mm. um, the following year I applied again and um, I knew what I had to do this time and I, luckily I got it mm. and to be honest that's the best thing I've ever done to be mm. fair I, I met a, a great group of guys young guys as well doing an apprenticeship mm. yeah. you're living together in one room I've heard a few people yeah, have we, gone on apprenticeships yeah, yeah we were down in Kingston oh wow yeah, yeah. okay and um yeah, down at Kingston College, and yeah, we, we had fun, we mm. had a good laugh, and um, yeah, I'm great friends with them still now. We go out all the time, and we're on different sites now. But when we graduated, we had a big celebration and mm. stuff. 
it was sort of like my own sort of uni. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, four years and yeah, we had yeah good times. And and looking back now, do you think that was probably one of the most important moments of your life? When I mean, was it your yeah. mum and your girlfriend who said yeah, to you, "You should, definitely. you should do this"? Hundred percent, yeah. Because now I've got that skill under my belt and I can go anywhere with it. Mm. And um, it sort of made me mature as well. Mm. In what sense? In the sense of obviously, so. Some of the guys that in my course, they were quite younger. I was 20 at the time when I'd done my apprenticeship. Some mm. of the guys were 16. Oh, wow. Uh, so incredibly yeah. young then. Crikey, yeah. yeah. But I knew that I couldn't blow this chance. I had really had to knuckle down on the essays and stuff. I couldn't mm. leave it last minute. I really had to put my everything into it to get mm. it. So... Did you feel that pressure? I did. Yeah, I did. Because, you know, you've got to be... Some of the stuff, the maths was quite tricky and uh, mm. I'm not the best mathematician. <laughs> so. so I'll give a shout out to my boys. They did help me a lot. And mm. um, but yeah, no, it was pressure trying mm. to get, like keep up with all the work and stuff. Mm. And how did you handle it in regards to trying to switch off from it at times and giving yourself a break or just managing that, that your own mental health alongside that pressure of this is this is my big shot to kind yeah. of give myself the life that I need and deserve. So, to be honest, I just had to just motivate myself and tell my, look at the end goal and think, I've got to do this. There's, there's no other way of like, I don't want to go back to work in retail. Mm. It was almost like yeah. a fear that you used it to was, drive you on. Yeah, mm. it was like, yeah, it gave me the motivation to keep going. Mm. And um, yeah, I used to get up, at, have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to travel down to Kingston and Surbiton. And um, yeah, just, just knew I had to do it. Because really. those early days, I mean, there's not, a lot of people who had put that graft in no. to persevere, but because you had that long that long term objective and goal, mm. that's what you used to drive you on. Basically, so you said it's not it's not going to be forever. This yeah. is what I have to do to no. do now to get that's the life it. that I need. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it wasn't the best wage. Obviously, apprenticeship wage never is, but you know, you have to take that sacrifice, sort mm. of thing. And from just talk to me about the the end result when you finally did graduate you know what was that endorphin rush like what was that sense of it because I guess when you were going through sort of secondary school and sixth form you yeah. said you did struggle with having to leave yeah. schools and you didn't get into your mm. own sixth school sixth yeah. form what was that sense of achievement like when you did get it it just felt great that I've actually finished something like I stuck at something because mm. I don't think there's anything I've really stuck to in my life mm. and say oh yes I've completed that mm. I mean my A levels I flopped them completely but with this apprenticeship it was just Making my family proud, seeing mm. them. In the, Is that a big thing for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, had everyone come down. My my grandparents, my mum, my dad, girlfriend. Um, yeah, it's it good. It's a sense of achievement. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. No, you've actually done something. Like mm. you feel proud inside. Mm. And did it give you sort of a, an extra drive to go? Well, now maybe there was limitations that I placed on myself beforehand that that maybe aren't there anymore. Yeah, exactly that. Especially what I was going through as well. I mean, halfway through the apprenticeship, you know, I had a big lifestyle change. And, and what so, was that? So in 2017, no, 2016, I moved out with my mm -hmm. girlfriend. We mm -hmm. uh, was lucky enough to buy our first home when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that was like, we sort of had to move out because her family was moving away. Mm. Um, so we moved out and uh, becoming independent. To be honest, I'm more of a, I'm quite a mummy's boy and I like mm. living at home. So am I. <laughs> That's why we're sitting here in my house recording yeah. it. <laughs> and I can't afford to move out yet anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 
that was a bit of a shock, but I enjoyed it. It was the sense of like freedom sort of mm. thing. Was it was it sort of an it taking yourself out of your comfort zone, but in a good way? Like you enjoyed the fact. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was like the next chapter, basically, mm. in my life. And sort of looking back now, you know, for many people, not having that university experience might feel like the end of the world. It certainly would have felt like it for me because I didn't get into my first choice university, and that felt like the end of the world. But I yeah. still went to Sussex, still had a massively great time. Um, but for many people they can still go on to have successful careers, have amazing lives without this degree, and it's not the be-all, end-all. Yeah. For any listeners who, who might be at that point in their life, who yeah. might be in the same position that you were, you know, what, what tips or advice would you give them from your own experience? I'd say don't fall off the path. I mean, if you really want to do something, don't give up. I mean, keep going for it. But I think everything happens for a reason. So mm. I feel like your sort of path is set already. Mm. I, believe, I believe in, like, destiny, I suppose, mm. and, like, everything... Everything's planned out, sort of. Um, I'd say just, just, just keep on going with it. I mean, keep an open mind. Don't feel disheartened if you don't mm. get something. I mean, just keep going. Mm. Go again. And we, we spoke about it a bit off air um, and in the run-up for doing this, Jacob, and how, and we'll probably talk about it later as well, about how important your faith is. Yeah. Was that something that you really, that, that helped you in those dark times when you were kind of mm. questioning what your life was going to be like and, and whether you saw yourself having a future in and being successful, basically? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I put a big part down to my faith, really. I used mm. to, I used to, when I didn't know what I was doing, I thought I was just going to be stuck in, in retail. I used to pray every night. Mm. And, uh, some people don't believe in it. Mm. Some people believe in the universe and the, mm. the higher beings. But I, I, I used to pray every night just so... God, please, like, wherever it is, help me become successful in something. Mm. I just want to cheat. I just want to be, I want to be, like, proud, you know, mm. in myself. Mm. And, yeah, I, did, I used to pray, like, yeah, mm. I put it down to faith. Mm. Um, and then just, just finally on this point, because I know you said you mentioned that there was the group of boys that you had really helped you. Yeah. Um, were there any particular people that, when you were going through a particularly bad time or where you didn't really know how to manage your own mental health or, or just getting through the, the, the tribulations and toils of being an engineer. Yeah. Were there any ones, were there any particular boys that really helped you in that time that you'd like to mention? Well, my, my, my best mate, Phil, he was, he was literally like my rock, basically. Him mm. and my girlfriend, both of them too. I couldn't, I don't think I'd be where I am now without mm. them. Mm. Um, I turned to both of them when I started going for it in 2017. Mm. That was when I was, that was my proper downfall. Mm. Um, I started feeling really anxious and mm. um, yeah I'd, I'd, my friend Phil he's, he's quite knowledgeable he knows a lot about nutrition likes a chat he does <laughs> <laughs> loves he likes, a chat he does likes, Phil he, he won't mind us saying that as well yeah he likes the netter but um, yeah no he was really helpful he told me what I should do and what I should cut out and, and uh, he really did advise me because mm. he's is he an engineer as well I think I'm correct in saying he is, yeah, yeah he's an engineer so as well. was he was he an engineer did he graduate or become qualified before you did he did so yeah. he was able to give you yeah. some advice about that as yeah. well yeah, yeah. He, was, he was very helpful as well because in the same field but, um, his knowledge is incredible mm. when even things down to nutrition mm. everything he knows a lot did you did you see him sort of more as at that point almost like a mentor rather than a friend if that makes sense yeah mm. I did yeah mm. I used to turn to him I used to whatsapp him late at night we used to do exchange voice notes and stuff but he was always there for he me. also loves a voice note he does, yeah. <laughs> loves a two minute voice yeah. note does Phil yeah he does <laughs> but um, no he's a legend to be fair he did help me out mm. definitely and I'm sure he's listening to his pod right now but if there was you know one 
really important thing that you wanted to say to him about him helping you through that moment, what would it be? I'd just like to say, like, thank you so much. I mean, I couldn't have done it without him, to be fair. Mm. Like, he, t- he took his time with me. He's very patient. Mm. And he never turned his back on me when I needed him. Mm. So, I, like, I'm forever grateful for him. So, mm. yeah. A big part of your journey, Jacob, and it's something that happened quite early on in your adult life, was was you becoming a father. Now, back in the day, sort of young fathers were probably much more commonplace, um, especially for our parents' generation, and even more so for our grandparents' generation. But sort of nowadays, the millennial generation, people are looking for more security before they take the plunge, even before they get married, um, especially financially, um, and when it comes to owning their own homes, um, which is also harder to do for people our age. Um, but... For you, just just take me through that journey to becoming a dad and and, and having Theo to yeah. who who's your son, who's now two. He's two now, yeah. Two, yeah. So just take me through that journey if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at work at the time. My girlfriend actually uh, told me um, she sent me a WhatsApp picture of the actual pregnancy test, mm. and um, I remember sitting down I was with my friend at work. I was like, "What's this?" I saw it, <laughs> and I was like, "And I was like, wow!" I was obviously blown back completely. Mm. Mm. But, you know, I saw it and the first thing I'd done, I smiled, a big smile came mm. to my face. Mm. Um, and I was like, the initial shock of it was I was happy, mm. really happy. I've been with my partner for over, almost coming up to 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, yeah so a long time. Childhood sweetheart, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, much, yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, well, you know, I mean, for any young guy, it's a big shock. It's, you know, it's going to change your life forever. Mm. But, um, yeah, we we sat down and we discussed it and we looked at it and um, we thought, yeah, we got to go with this, definitely. Mm. I mean, it feels right. Mm. So, I mean, for some young people, everyone would be, like, really scared. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, to be honest, I wasn't too scared at the time when I first found out. I was more quite happy. Mm. Um, and uh, I didn't really think of the negative sides or the, that... Like could be the possible connotations, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it was. I was actually. It was a happy time in my life. Mm. And those those first few weeks after it happened, sort of, what were you like? Were you sort of bouncing around, telling absolutely everyone? You sort of keeping it a bit more um, low key, or what was the sort of thought process? So I kept it quite low key. I mean, I was still obviously still undecided what we was going to do. Mm. Um, I mean, I I remember it was actually on a night out. I thought I was going to break it to my friends mm. and I told them. Um, funny enough, he was down in Brighton as well. Okay, and yeah. And it was sort of like a celebration. Um, but I was still really like, I know my life's going to change after mm. this year when he's born. Um, yeah, it was good. Mm. And obviously, every parent is different in, in how they react to the news and whatever, but do you feel like your your girlfriend, your partner, and mm. um, and you were sort of different in how you told people, or you sort of both the same and sort of bouncing off each other, or um, she was quite quiet about it. To be fair, mm. like I was a bit more open because mm. um, I think she was she was a bit more concerned than I was. I guess you would if you're yeah. if you're what you're going to do with it. Is it going to be? Is there not going to be any complications? I guess that's along the, the way, way. yeah, financial problems as well. Mm. I mean, that's the biggest thing people worry about. Mm. I mean, how much it's going to cost and. But, I mean, she had a discussion with her mum who definitely reassured her and, yeah, really supported her. Mm. I think a big thing for a lot of people in the mental health community is this feeling of not wanting to get ahead of ourselves. And I can only imagine what it's like um, 
when you find out you're going to be a dad or going to be a mum as well. Um, I think for prospective parents, this is quite an important point to make, and we've alluded to it just now about sort of, you know, we we know miscarriages can occur and and all sorts of complications before the birth happens. Were you ever worried before the birth of, about the possibility of something going wrong and and having to not only deal with it there, but sort of telling people about it as well? Was it something that did really cross your mind? I mean, it did cross my mind, but I sort of put it in the back of my head and sort Mm. of tried to like forget about it. Mm. I was, yeah, I, I mean, there was, I was worried. I was worried throughout the whole pregnancy, to be fair. Mm. Um, I'm a big worrier, so I think yeah. that, that, that happens like, mm. with everything to do with me. But um, but then I did have, obviously, I got my faith, so I, I did pray a lot during she was pregnancy, just mm. like to protect the baby and make mm. sure she's healthy. Mm. And so I sort of had like that, sort of, I knew I had that. That process? No, not the process. I had that got like backing mm, me up mm. and um, the support of that. Mm. So. And and building up to it, was that did you ever there was there ever a moment where you felt like okay I'm ready now or did you just not feel ready at all? No, do you know what? Towards the end of it, you sort of like you know what you got to do and you sort of knuckle down. And you make sure you get everything, mm. get yourself in a mental like position where you're you know your life's gonna change right and you just got to sort of like just prepare yourself mm. sort of. Mm. And did it feel like it became normalised after a while? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, just tell me about the day of the birth now. So, okay. talk me through sort of when you found out she was going into labour, mm. sort of that moment when Theo was born, and sort of everything in yeah. between. So, funny enough, I was actually at work when she was in labour. Um, she sort of was in labour for like two days. Right. And it was a long. Not process. a quick one then. <laughs> no, it wasn't a quick one. Well, she didn't know she was in labour. She was getting like funny pains, but she didn't know she was actually in labour. She was getting right. like little tremors. She just mm-hmm. thought she had like stomach cramps. Um, I was doing overtime because obviously you got to make. Mm. Got to get the money. Yeah. That's it. Um, and I got a call from her saying I think she's going into labour. Um, the baby was overdue by a week, mm. so he didn't want to come out. Um, so yeah, I rushed home from work, and um, yeah, we just relaxed at home for a while. Mm. They 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 tell you in the hospital to stay at home as long as possible, so you're mm. relaxed and comfortable. Mm. Um, yeah, so we did that, and then yeah, I just remember being really excited. I mean, obviously, pregnancy is a long time, nine months, and you mm. you're counting down the days to mm. this day, and when you're finally there, you're like, wow. <laughs> I was mm. sort of like a bit like. In panics, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess you would be a little <laughs> bit. around the house like a headless chicken. Mm. But, um, yeah, we went to the hospital and, um, yeah, it's just, you go through that stage, you've, you've ran it through your head so mm. many times. Sort of overthinking different it. scenarios yeah. and stuff, yeah. Like, you've been so many times to the hospital, you know this journey, like, you know you're ready to go. Mm. Um, yeah, she was in labour and, um, yeah, it was a bit of a traumatic experience, to be fair. Mm. I've never seen her like it before. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what it was like yeah. for her. Yeah. I like yeah. It, yeah. Um, when, he, when Theo was finally born, just mm. tell me about that moment, you know, what you called in, um, did you get to hold him? Just tell yeah. me about that moment. I mean, it's the most special moment in my life. Mm. Um, I remember it forever. It was very emotional. Probably the happiest moment, yeah, in my life. To actually seeing him when he's there, Seeing what you've created is a magical thing. Mm. Um, the love that you have for your child is like the most you've got for everything in, like in the world. Mm. I can't even explain it. But um, yeah, to physically hold him mm. in your arms, um, it was amazing. Mm. Yeah. And that moment after he was born, did you 
did you realise at the time like how irrevocably your life had changed or was yeah, you, were you just so caught up in that moment yeah I just I knew like I had to be there for him for the rest of his life and mm. I was I was always going to protect him and guide him mm. and like he was the most important thing in the world now mm. like everything else comes second and he was the main priority mm. um, yeah it was mm. special very special life. as a young dad sort of what are the some of the realities that people our age might not know about what that responsibility brings? I mean... The sacrifices, maybe. Yeah. So, well, you're going to have to sacrifice, sacrifice a lot of sleep. Mm. Um, I think that's the, the hardest thing about it, to be mm. honest. Like, people don't don't realise, and people also don't realise how important sleep is. For oh, them. I'm, I'm well aware. That's yeah. why I'm so scared about it because yeah. I enjoy my eight hours minimum sleep. Yeah, and it affects you a lot, like mentally. I mm. think people need more sleep. Um, they don't realise how sleep de- deprivation can actually affect you. Uh, like people work in long hours at work and they get stressed out and they don't realise why they're not recovering. It's because mm. they're not getting enough sleep. Mm. Um, but yeah, having a baby, it, 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 you got to give it your all. Mm. I mean you got to give up quite everything, basically. Mm. Um, those those first few months after becoming a dad, you know, who's the Jacob we meet here? Is it someone sort of completely different to the one we meet maybe three months before Theo's born? Or is it something you just took gradually in your stride, basically? I mean, it was a, it was a process, mm. I'll give you that, but I'm definitely a much mature guy now. Mm. I mean, Jacob two years ago was still a party animal, mm. enjoying life, carefree, didn't didn't care about a thing. Mm. Um, didn't worry about spending. Just spent whatever. Mm. But now I'm like a granddad, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, just talking about you as a father now. What how what's what kind of father are you for Thea? How would you describe yourself? You know, are you are you someone that will teach him that as a man it's okay to show emotion and vulnerability and perhaps help redefine that outdated ideal of masculinity that maybe previous generations. Mm. Um, try to make not in, maybe not instilling us individually but yeah. maybe insti- instilled yeah. in young men no definitely I think the old macho man idea doesn't work mm. I mean you've got to show emotion mm. you know um, I'll definitely teach him to be gentle kind and yeah it shows emotion because I, I mean I think it's really important mm. bottling, bottling it up it's, it's, it's not good for you it's mm. like you need to express mm. how you feel Definitely. Mm. Are you conscious as well? I mean, we both went to schools that were perhaps quite prevalent in this, but are you conscious of not allowing that sort of toxic masculinity to maybe affect him when he's at school or, or God forbid, him to, to partake in that? Because we both yeah. were in schools where boys were only, you know, only showed certain types yeah. of emotions or beyond yeah. one or two ranges, basically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, he could he could be like a real... I suppose jock and mm. go for it but I wouldn't like him to be one of those well definitely wouldn't look like him to be like a bully or anything mm. like that mm. I mean that was probably my biggest fear mm. I think that's every parent's yeah. fear I guess yeah. yeah I mean I'd hate that but then I would hate for him to get bullied as well mm. Mm. Um, it's just, that tricky balance yeah. yeah I just wanted to be a nice guy you know, you know? Mm. Mm. I know he's only young but sort of even after a couple of years um, what has Theo taught you about yourself <laughs> well, he, he taught me that I've got quite. I need more patience. I know that. Mm. I didn't realise how impatient I was until I had it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he showed me that I've got a gentle side as well. Um, for like, even like little 
when you have a baby, it does change her. Mm. And um, even like little animals and things like that, you get a soft side. Mm. Um, yeah, he's really, he's showed me that I'm quite soft, a bit mm. of softy. And what sort of personalities began to show you as well? What, Theo? Yeah. He's so cheeky, it's unbelievable, <laughs> literally. Does he get that from you? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a definitely, a, he's a cheeky chap. Um, yeah, he's a cute baby, honestly. And if there are any sort of new dads listening to this podcast mm. as well, or maybe you're about to become one, mm. what advice would you give them before that big day happens, or maybe after it as well? I think you've you got to take your time, it's a process. So you're not going to be the best dad straight away. Mm, that's um, really important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And just stick to it. I mean, don't make any rash decisions. Also, work with your partner as well. It's very important that you work with your partner mm. and give them the support that they need as well. Because mm. some days, I mean, it's definitely... It's, you've got to help each other. Mm. Otherwise, it's not going to work at all. Mm. That really brings us nicely on to my next point, which was, you know, I don't think we can have this discussion without talking about your partner um, and the impact that she's had on you and and also Theo. Um, Just tell me a bit about her, you know, the role she played in in helping you become the dad you are and and how you formed that partnership. I think very much it's a partnership, isn't it, when it comes to parenting, to bring Theo up the right way? Yeah, so, I mean, she's loved kids, like from when she was young she's mm. always wanted a baby she's mm. always been like that mother figure mm. I mean she's born to be a, be a mum mm. so she says but she's great with kids and she's just shown me to just really like really love your children and mm. and just like yeah spend as much time and give them everything you can mm. like she's like my rock I couldn't do it without her mm. she's a brilliant mum honestly really mm. good mm. And I think it's really important that like, I couldn't have done it without her mm. like, honestly I really couldn't I mean, she makes my life a lot easier. I mean, if I didn't have a partner who's so good, it'd be tough. Mm. But she's so good with him, honestly. And what's the one thing that she's taught you, not just about being a dad, but about yourself as well? I think she definitely taught me to really be more attentive to our child and like Mm. to understand what's what's going, what he's feeling and. Mm there might be a reason behind it. Mm. So when he's screaming, he might be hungry or he might be tired. And it's not just that base emotion. Yeah, yeah there's it. a deeper meaning behind yeah, it. definitely. Mm. And I think one important point to touch on, Jacob, as well, is the fact that you and your partner are in a bir- biracial relationship and, and bringing up a son of mixed heritage. Are you conscious of giving him the best of both you and your partner's heritage, both in cultural aspects, um, food, um, just everything really, and just being proud of that diversity of your family as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important. I mean, being mixed race myself, you you, you got to have the best of both worlds. I, mm. mean, I mean, if he was just solely on his British heritage and we didn't show him any culture, mm. you know... He might be ashamed of it or mm. um, to not like it. Mm. I think it's very important. Or be ignorant. You never exactly. know. Yeah. Yeah, precisely that. Um, yeah, I would love him. He, I love him to be an open, mm. open person. Mm. And um, what is what is your heritage? If I'm if I don't if you don't so mind I'm asking. Caribbean. Okay. Yes, from Solusia. Okay, and are you? When you had Theo, were your parents or grandparents sort of trying to get you to get him sort of, sort of educate him when he gets older about his sort of solution um, heritage? Or, yeah, definitely. yeah. My dad is very into his history and mm. um, into his heritage as well. Mm. He loves it. I mean, I'm definitely going to give him all the great Caribbean food, mm. um, yeah, the traditions and whatnot. Mm. And 
have you ever experienced any sort of discrimination because of your relationship or through bringing up there? Or is it, is it something you've, you've maybe been able to avoid, thank God? Um, lucky enough, I've avoided it, but there's always that thought in the back of your mind, what are people thinking? Mm. Um, is that when you're out and about and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's me being self-conscious and, mm. yeah. I guess it's a, a defence mechanism it as well, is. just being, make, being, yeah, make, being aware is, and making yeah. sure that you're safe at all times, Definitely. basically. Precisely, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. We we get all the way to 2018 now, mm-hmm. and despite the hurdles you've had to overcome, mm-hmm. I'm sort of correct in saying that before this moment, you'd, you'd never really experienced any major difficulties in regards to your mental health. Is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. However, this all changed at the end of 2018, didn't it, last year? So just tell me what happened there and, and why mental health, or your mental health specifically, suddenly came to the forefront of your mind. Was it... Was it something that came completely out of the blue or do you think it was something that was sort of building for a while? I think it was building and building, but um, when it did come, it really did change my life. I mm. mean, I remember being at work one time, we were sitting in a meeting and I just had this rush sensation come over me. I've never felt it before. Mm. This worry and this panic. So you feel um, like it was a panic attack looking back? I did, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. And what were the sort of symptoms you experienced when you were going through it? So I was just feeling really hot and sweaty and my heart was racing, mm. tingling sensation in my hands and my head. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like everyone's looking at me. Mm. So you're getting that paranoia as well? Oh, yeah, paranoia, mm. definitely. And in that meeting, was there, was, was there any trigger moment? Was there something that someone said that suddenly brought this on or was it just completely out of the blue? Do you know what? What made it worse was when someone asked me, are you okay? Um, they'd take me say, are you all right? And, um, was it a big meeting? It was a big meeting with mm. a lot of people. So mm. the guy next to me, he said, are you all right? And it made me feel even worse. Because you were sort of self-conscious. Yeah, self-conscious. People were, yeah. yeah. Mm. And now I thought, oh my God, people are actually looking at me. Um, mm. And what did you do after that? After that, I was, I was just, I, just t- I took a break out. I just mm. went outside by myself and had a glass of water mm. just to chill out. Um, and I was really worried about it. I thought, what is going on? I've never experienced this before. I hope th- I hope this is, doesn't reoccur. Mm. And then I went out with my friends the following weekend and we was out and uh, I started getting it again. I was like, this is not normal. The same symptoms. Same yeah. symptoms. I feel like people, people were looking at me uh, in a weird way. Sort of paranoia, anxiety. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was horrible. Really horrible. Mm. And did it, did it keep occurring or were these sort of two one-off moments so after that it did um, mm. and I couldn't put my finger on what's caused it or mm. why and I don't know if it was a build-up of me having this worry and fear and lack of sleep mm. with having a newborn baby and mm. um, or if it was something to do with my diet or something I've been using or mm. taking mm. Um, I wasn't too sure um, but yeah, I just felt like my life had changed. Mm. And did you did you turn twenty one for guidance at that point, or did you sort of go to your GP about it, or what did you sort of do to maybe try and address it? I tried to. I didn't turn to anyone. To be fair, mm. I just thought I wait for this to go. Um, it wasn't such of a big deal then because um, mm. it was fresh. And then I went on a lads' holiday. We went to Croatia, mm. and um, and I was so worried about it then. I couldn't eat. Um, mm. It was horrible. And I think drinking on the holiday, I sort of drank to mask it, not mm. to feel the sensation. Sort of distract yourself yeah, from it. Yeah, it was like mm. a crutch, sort of. Mm. And I was heavily, heavily drinking. And 
that made it comp- that made it spiral out of control. It made mm. it even worse. Did you did you experience panic attacks when you were intoxicated? Uh, no. Well, okay. The next day, the next morning. Right. That was when it was terrible. The anxiety, yeah, as we say. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah the beer fear. Mm. It was terrible. Mm. Um, and did the boys know about it when you were there? They well, I did tell I tell a few select few of them, mm. and uh, my best mate Phil, he was there, and he was really helping me. You told me to do meditation when I was out there. Mm. But I started getting fears of, oh, I'm going to lose my job. Mm. How am I going to support my baby? Mm. How am I going to pay for my mortgage? So What's a lot of overthinking, happen? basically. A lot of yeah. overthinking. Like, mm. cause this was anxiety in mental health was very fresh to me. Mm. And I didn't, have, I didn't have any idea about it or how mm. to control it or mm. what the sensations were, how long they're going to last, mm. if this is ever going to go, it's mm. going to get any better. Mm. Where, where's my life going to go from this? Mm. Um... Being in big groups of people, I found that tricky. Mm. And yeah, it was just, it wasn't a great time. Mm. And then sort of after that holiday, what happened then when it came to sort of this journey about how you want to, you, you were going to deal with it? Did you, did you end up speaking to your partner about yeah, it? And she was the first person I spoke to. Mm. And she just sat me down and said, you're fine. Um, we're going to get through this. It, like a lot of people go through it and yeah, you, you can change. Mm. And, I, and I said to her, you know what I am? And this, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I've got too much to lose. Do you know what mm. I mean? I've got you, Theo, and a great job. I don't want to lose any of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, from that day, I said to myself, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to give up and I'm going to change to, mm. to be better. Mm. And um, yeah, I started my journey from there. My mm. road to recovery started from there. Mm. Um, I really done my research into, into everything, really. Mm. Everything to do with mental health, how I can battle it and how can I can get through it. Mm. But it was tough. The first couple of months, even going to work was like, I didn't want to do it. Mm. And did you ever tell work about it? No. Okay. I really, I still haven't told people at work about that. I've had mm. it. I like to keep my personal life quite separate to mm. work. No, that's fine. Um, yeah. Just because I was worried at what people think. Like, mm. There's a lot of stigmatism behind mental health. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So we sometimes forget that, don't we? There's still quite a lot of stigma. There is yeah. a lot. And that's why I'm, even today, like, I'm quite quiet about it. Um, mm. Even though I shouldn't be. Like, I think this is like the first step for me. Step. This is actually the first step of me talking out about. Mm. Talking out about. It. So it's a big step, really. Mm. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah, for that. yeah. People should do it more as well because mm. then it will get rid of the stigmatism. Mm. And did you ever seek any professional help for it? Did you ever feel like okay, maybe I need to sort of get this diagnosed? Yeah, I mean that was the next step. I went to my doctors and. Um, Funny enough, the first thing they tried to do is push pills. Really? Yeah, yeah they're straight That's away. A shame. I mean, the first thing they said is, look, yeah, take this, you'll be fine. And okay. you know what I thought? Nah, I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, uh, my personal opinion is that every person is unique and every mm. person's individual needs is different. Exactly. Um, yeah. People do take medication and it helps them massively. Mm. Other people might not need medication. But I think in your case, to sort of push it as a sort of first step seems a bit... Yeah. Very strong. Mm. Yeah. Did you explain what did you explain how it was very severe or did I, you just say I've yeah, been struggling? I know. Do you know it was the first time I went there and they what they did, they said that we got this thing called C B T and I was like, What's that? What's yeah, CBT? cognitive behavioural therapy yeah. therapy, which is what I went on yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. And they tried to push that for me and I said, Okay. But there's gonna be a waiting list of six months. Mm. Six months. I can't wait six months. Mm. I need help now. Mm. It's like I need to get rid of this. Mm. I need this to go. Mm. And or manage like, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um 
at that point, I just wanted it to go. I didn't even know. I couldn't even manage it, to be honest. Mm. But um, So they did try to push pills, but I said, you know what? I can't go down that road. Mm. It is a slippery road. Mm. Um, so I, 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 don't, I looked into getting private help, mm-hmm. um, getting a therapist. Mm. And you know, that was a good send. Mm. Obviously, that was my first thing I took. And I recommend that to anyone who's mm. struggling out there. Look into therapy. I mean, it's not cheap. Mm. But so you went private then, then the end. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And um, honestly, the CBT therapy I did receive was great. Mm. And yeah. what did it do for you? What things did it unlock in yourself? It sort of gave me the confidence and the courage mm. to sort of like go out and really like challenge it. Mm. And not like, be afraid of it. Yeah, yeah. much, yeah. I mean, I was still struggling like loads, mm. but uh, it did help. Mm. And what things do you think it taught you about maybe spotting things in other people as well? Yeah, that's another one. I mean, it opened up my eye to other people going through things. I mm. didn't realise how many people... I think everyone's got a problem. Everyone. Everyone has a story. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Everyone's going through something, mm. 100%. And at the time, obviously we mentioned your partner and how she was so supportive of you and, and, and making sure that you knew that you weren't alone in this. Mm. Loads of people go through it. It's yeah. not abnormal, mm. so to speak. Um, what other support structures did you have to help you through this moment, you know, obviously we spoke about Phil and he's been a big part of this pod. Uh, he'll be, he'll love to hear that. Um, but were there any other friends or relatives that really helped you through this part of your life as well? Uh, yeah, my mum. Yeah, okay. My mum was great. And how did she help? She uh, she put me on to uh, a thing called um, a Calm app. It's like okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget. The it's called Headspace. Bit. It's like one of them is one of the big ones. Headspace, yeah. Uh, Mindfulness. Okay, yeah, mindfulness. mindfulness, Yeah, yeah. she put me onto mindfulness, um, Mm. and she told me about that and how that could help me. Mm. And uh, I really did. I looked into that, and that was my first step of doing my own sort of research into Mm. it, alongside the therapy that helped as well. Mm. And it's it's very much clear from this conversation so far that you. You started going through something, but you were basically starting off from a a, a zero point of yeah. education on it. it yeah. Did it did it did that ever scare you that you didn't know much about it, but you were going through it at the same time? Um, I think it sort of excited me actually, like to okay. find out more um, mm. and motivated me because mm. um, it was it was making me aware of what these sensations were and what it was making me more aware of like why they were happening, mm. and it was. It made me a lot happier knowing that there's a reason behind it, mm. sort of thing. Mm. And obviously, when we're we're and we all go through periods of of dark moments in our mental health, and you know when we're in that moment, we never feel like we can get out of it. Um, but it we do eventually, mm-hmm. and we do reach the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, and we do see the light at mm-hmm. at the end of it, and at the end of it. Um, when you finally came out of this. Mm-hmm. So how do you look back on it? What do you feel like you learned and, and what did you use from the CBT that you can take forward and perhaps teach Theo as well mm. when he's older? Don't overthink things too much. I mean, I think everyone does that. Um, be positive as well. I mean, you, do you know what I mean? There's always a, always a silver lining. Do you know what I mean? And mm. don't always think, oh, oh no, it's going to be rubbish. Um, that I've never like you've got to keep a like positive mindset. I mm. mean PMA. PMA, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really. Um and and just finally as well, you've obviously been through quite a lot when it comes to your journey. Mm. Um is this something that when it comes to being educated about mental health, do you think that this is that's something that you'll teach there when he's quite young as well? Because obviously 
you know, a lot of people go through mental health experiences yeah. when they're six, yeah. seven, yeah. eight, nine. So, yeah. I mean, I definitely make them aware. I don't want to push it too much. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't want to scare him. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's the thing. But when he grows up, definitely. Um, before he goes to uni, I think I'm going to tell him. I think that age is, I think, best. Mm. I think, I know, just make him aware. Mm. Um, yeah. Because mental health isn't just trauma, it's that's managing it. your mind, basically. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, put your. You might be able to teach him about how to the importance of sleep exactly. and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, sleep, exercise, the lot. Yeah, definitely. We spoke off air, mate, about the role that social media had in this difficult period of your life and how it probably exacerbated problems rather than helped it. And I'm sure that for many people in the mental health community, social media is a really good tool for connecting with people and sharing experiences, but. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it can be very a very toxic environment. Um, just tell me about how those problems manifested itself in you in that diff- difficult moment of your life. Yeah, so when it first happened, I was going through things myself. I used to think a lot and going on social media, especially Instagram, mm. you see a lot of people posting and they're out with their friends and mm. that sort of triggered thing, I think me, like thinking, oh, I'd love to be doing that. and. Mm. But fear of missing out then fear, yeah yeah I've got very rough FOMO, FOMO. Yeah, yeah really yeah. FOMO um, so my girlfriend's told me anyway <laughs> but, um, yeah I mean seeing people with their friends and I thought I'm not going to be able to do that anymore mm. this was at the early stages mm. on Instagram and it made me it got me down mm. and that when it was my transition from anxiety to depression mm. and that was quite like, a, was that like yeah. a bout of depression yeah. that you were it going like, through yeah at mm. that stage it felt like I'm not going to be normal again I'm not mm. going to be able to enjoy life mm. anxiety free and uh, going on Instagram seeing people haven't because let's be honest people on Instagram they don't post anything bad do they they only post the best things that's mm. in there a life. highlight reel highlight yeah. that's it it's only good stuff you're only seeing constantly everyone having a great time and great holidays great places great food and like, everyone dressed up so it's a bit false, I think. Mm. But I think I said I said to myself, come the new year, I'm going to take myself off Instagram just to see what effect it has. And you know what? It was the best thing I'd done for two or three months. Mm. I was Instagram free. I didn't realise how much time I had in my hands. Mm. I spent so much time on Instagram, you know, spending more time with my kid, just playing with toys and stuff, just like... I mean, just doing things you wouldn't normally do normally just mm. spent on your phone mm. yeah it's something that um, I'm very conscious of as well yeah, yeah. and uh, if it wasn't for then I'd probably take a few things off myself for me yeah, I don't yeah. have Snapchat anymore yeah. I'd never miss that yeah. um, this perfectionism culture that you talked about Jacob you know how are you seeing it take root and and what examples we've mentioned it previously but were there any specific examples that you can give how it affected you personally as well yeah I mean it's just like Making sure you get like loads of likes on the picture. Validation. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. You want you want that yeah, like you said, validation from people. Mm. You want loads of people to like your pictures and like you. Mm. Um and I think that's what people want at the end of the day. Mm. I think probably a more balanced view of social media is that it's a tool at the end of the day. It can be used positively and negatively, Definitely. depending on the platform you use. Is that something that you would agree with? Hundred percent, yeah. Mm. And going forward, how do you think how do you how are you going to manage your use of social media so it doesn't become a hindrance to your mental health and it just becomes like a, a positive tool? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think I'd only use it really just to I don't know post nice pictures. Or something. Mm. I mean, don't get sucked into it. Mm. I mean, like some people have to post daily or, mm. and upload everything what they're actually doing. 
Um, Diarising, basically. Exactly, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, it's all right if you want to celebrate something and show off, say, it's your birthday and mm. you want, like, you want that sort of, I mm. don't know, just like... Yeah, little things. Yeah. yeah. Um, modern parenting, I think, is fair to say hard enough as it is without the explosion in social media I mean mm. are you conscious as parents and your partner included of, of not exposing your son to too much social media too early and, and letting him become dependent on screens rather than books maybe 100% I mean that's the thing I'm worried about I mean nowadays it's all iPads and mm. screens I did say to myself I'd never let him have an iPad but mm. when he's at the dinner table screaming it's a different story mm. when you're at a restaurant mm. you know what I mean it becomes more stress. But 100%, percent i have be worried about him on social media. You know, I mean, kids are nasty nowadays, mm. some of the stuff they say. So I definitely look over him and uh, sort of guide him. Because mm. uh, it's that balance, I guess, because, you know, I always joke that the, the kids coming up who are coming into the job market, they're video editors, they're, they're all these they're tech yeah. gurus and yeah. they're, they've got skills that I could only dream of having that I've built four yeah. years or whatever yeah. are you conscious of sort of being able to give him those tools to pick up when he's in school but also not letting him become dependent on yeah, sort definitely. of screens and all yeah. that I'd like to have him to have like a happy medium balance between mm. too much screen time and a little bit of screen time I think mm. yeah I think an hour a day is enough mm. yeah. and are you conscious of um you know, reading to him and like physical books and that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, story time is actually the nicest time of the day for mm. me and him. I mean, before I put him to bed, after his bath, we have a story and mm. it's uh, so nice mm. interacting with him, making him laugh. Mm. He helps him go to sleep as well, he loves it. Mm. But like, even reading the old books that I used to when I was younger, it's really mm. nice. It's a bit of a nostalgia moment as it well is, for you. Is, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, proper nostalgia trip, yeah. Mm. And what's that moment when you are helping him to read and he's maybe picking up mm. things that maybe you didn't think he was going to do and yeah. just that that moment of I don't know clarity or maybe that moment of wow yeah this yeah. is happening and is. I'm actually helping him yeah, sort of become the, the man that he can yeah. be you bond a lot it's that mm. proper bonding time mm. yeah it's special Another useful tool that you've said you've used to help your mental health, Jacob, is is exercise. And we talk a lot about this product on this pod actually about the power of exercise and how you can sort of harness it to improve your mental health. How do you utilize it in your own life? Well, me personally, that was uh, one of the things that sort of made me better in a sense mm. of um, struggling with my anxiety. Mm. I said to myself, I was going to get back into the gym. I've always been a gym goer, mm. and um, I think it's a very powerful tool to make you feel feel good and fit and ready for day-to-day things. Um, yeah, I think the, it's great. Just going to the gym and watching your body, or well, weightlift. I, me, personally, I'm a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a bit of cardio, but I enjoy bodybuilding. Mm. And um, seeing your body improve, mm. and the sensation you get of looking yourself in the mirror and you're feeling actually good, you know, feeling strong and, yeah, looking good. I mm. think it's really powerful. Mm. What feeling or sensation does, does exercise give you? Is it, is it quite cathartic? Is it euphoric? Or is it sort of a way to structure your routine more? What sort of things does it give you? I think it's, it's quite euphoric. I mean, le- leaving the gym after a good session, you get this rush of endorphins. And, um, yeah, you feel good that you've mm. done it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So. Do, you, do you find exercise a good distraction for your mental health? Or is it something entirely different? Uh, it's a bit of both, but, I mean, it's like you're channeling quite a lot of, thought and energy into it mm. I mean especially with bodybuilding you've got to get your diet right 
make sure you're getting the right thing, what you're going to exercise. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. You're sort of thinking and mm. yeah, it takes your mind of things. Mm. I think much like social media, I think exercise is a really powerful tool. Mm. Um, uh, for both of us, it, it's been a really good positive for our lives, but mm. I think we can't not talk about the way that toxic masculinity can sometimes infect young men our age you know more and more men are going to the gym which is can be you said it can be described as a good thing because we're getting healthier we're we're keeping um keeping control of our bodies but at the same time steroid use is massive there's a lot of men who are feeling a lot of pressure to look a certain way and young and they're feeling a lot of pressure younger and younger are you conscious of that as well 100 i mean people are getting obsessed with the gym i mean you've got to have the healthy balance Mm. i mean one of my good friends of mine actually he's slightly obsessed with it and he's gone to the stage where he actually has turned like you said to steroids mm. and obviously I'm worried about him doing that I mean he's he's overeating as well to get mm. to that certain big stage mm. I mean that's the thing he does, does have its good side but it also has its bad side so mm. you've just got to be really aware of that mm. um, and do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better when it comes to sort of men our age and that whole fitness culture the, the bad side of fitness culture shall we say the bad side yeah pretty mm. much yeah mm. I mean they, I think they need more education than it really definitely mm. I mean I know guys look in the mirror and they look at themselves and look at their body and they think I'm not big enough even though they're massive already body dysmorphia we That's call it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah. I think it's something I think you know every boy that goes to the gym probably has a little bit of it 100% um, you want to look a certain way and yeah. you want to feel like you're achieving more than maybe you are right now yeah. but I mean when it gets to an extreme level it's, yeah. it's quite sad isn't it it's yeah, really it's, really sad to see yeah um, what do you think can be done? Is it? Do you think it's just an education thing? I think it is, yeah. Mm. I mean, opening their, opening their eyes up to it. Mm. Um, but in regards to exercise, I think even even doing like things such as cardio. Mm. <clears throat> me personally, I didn't realize how like how it helped. You could actually like it's like meditation. It mm. takes your mind off and clears your mind. Physical meditation, yeah, so to it. speak. Yeah, yeah, mm. Mm. yeah definitely. <laughs> Our final topic of conversation, Jacob, and it's one that I have with all my special guests, is a general natter about mental health. So, yeah. firstly, how would you say your mental health is at the moment, mate? Well, right now it's pretty good. Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm not 100% uh, anxiety-free. I mm. do have my bad days and have my good days. Like everyone does. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, they're always going to come, I know that. But um, considering where I was a year ago, I'm really, I've come a long way. Mm. I've come, yeah, feeling fantastic. Mm. And we mentioned it on the pod in, in great detail now, but regarding sort of mental health conditions, do you think you actually do live with anxiety or depression or sort of panic attacks? Um, and have you been diagnosed with any? And if you could say, what were they? Um, definitely anxiety. I mean, I'm a big warrior. Mm. And, um, Overthinking. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I, know, yeah. I mean, I've sort of accepted the fact that I'm going to, have it for the rest of my life mm-hmm. um, and that's a good thing yeah yeah. Uh, but I've also accepted the fact that I can I can manage it now and uh, I know when it's creeping up I know that's not the end of the world mm. and uh, yeah mm. and <clears throat> we, we've we've mentioned it previously but we'll we'll see if there's another there's another point to this question do you what age do you think you were when you first realised that these feelings you ha- you were having weren't just physical and they were in your mind. Was it during that period of mental health yeah. crisis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was about 24. Mm. Yeah. And 
what things do you find in life that might trigger your mental health? You mentioned it before about being in large groups of people, but there was anything yeah. else? I mean, sounds, sensations, things that might, people might say. Yeah, I mean, when people tell me I've got like a, don't know, deadline or something to do, I get the thought and the panic in my mind. Mm. But I think my main one for me personally is uh, so like um, social social media. Yeah. Mm. Well, not social media effect, but social uh, experiences. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the big one. I have you like find. social anxiety. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And does it just manifest itself just being around large groups of people? Or is there any other things that social anxiety affects you? Um, pretty much it's just really with people. To be fair, mm. I mean it's sad because I even get it when I'm with a my closest family mm. uh, big groups of them uh, which was a real downer for me like last Christmas for example mm. um, it wasn't the same mm. you know Christmas is going to be a happy time and mm. I've always looked forward to Christmas I love mm. Christmas Day with all my family but last Christmas it was like hell on earth mm. going through that feeling like crap and looking like crap mm. it wasn't great it wasn't good mm. this year's was pretty good exactly because yeah. you've now got better yeah, at it yeah, and you've managed yeah. it better mm. and that's great um what we've and we've mentioned this previously as well what tools and methods do you use in your own life to improve your mental health or help you feel better you know which ones have you found that have worked and which ones have you found that haven't um well i'd say i'd recommend this book to everyone okay and for the listeners you're holding up what book is it it's, it's called dare and um it's a way to end anxiety and stop panic attacks by right. called Barry McDonald. Okay. And um, you can get it on Amazon. It's really good. It also comes with a free app that you can listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd recommend it to anyone, honestly, who's going mm. through like panic attacks or anxiety. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like my Bible. Mm. Um, I've read it like two times back to front. Mm. And I, I, it's, it's a great book. Mm. And what has it taught you? What tools has it given you? It's given me the tools to sort of sit back and analyze my anxiety so when i'm having a panic attack it's called dare because it, it's uh, an acronym mm-hmm. so you it's called d for diffuse um a for allow the sensations r for run towards the sensations and e to engage in conversation mm-hmm. um but it tells you the scientific reason behind why you're getting these sensations mm. down to having um a racing heartbeat to mm. sweaty palms, mm. to feel eyes feeling diluted. It, honestly, anyone who's listening to this right now and goes through anxiety, please, please, please buy this book and read it because it will help you a lot, honestly. Mm. And how you found these tools improved you as a person as well as helped your mental health, mate? Um, well, do you know what? Funny enough, it's helped me help others. Mm. So there was a guy at work and I could see he was struggling big time. And what flag, what red flag was he giving? that you can remember I could just see he used to at lunch breaks he didn't used to sit down anymore with us which I thought was odd so he'd isolate himself yeah he would isolate himself and walk off and eat lunch in his car instead of in the canteen with us Mm. and um, yeah he's just you could tell he looked a bit stressed out and Mm. uh, in the end I asked him he told me he was getting heart palpitations as Mm. well Um, and uh, yeah I felt really sorry for him because I knew what it felt like Mm. Uh, bad times not like when everything's going so good mm. it's going crap it's, it's horrible so I, I gave him the book I lent it to him and he was so grateful he said he's going to buy every member of his family oh family. really yeah. oh that's great that's yeah, great and and in other examples you know how have, how have you supported maybe friends as well in your social group who have who have 
who may have mental health issues themselves or may just be going through a poor period of mental health or or, or anyone else really yeah um yeah do you know what the book's given me and met my meditation skills have sort of helped me to help my pals who like have panic attacks mm. um i've been out with them and they've actually gone through them mm. and um giving them breathing exercises mm. just to just take time out and just take hold your breath and have a deep breath um really does help mm. Toxic masculinity is something that we try and break down a lot in this pod, Jay. Um, But I wanted to briefly touch upon it through your mixed heritage lens. Um, Through your background, how is masculinity viewed both from, say, a white British Mm -hmm. and an Afro-Caribbean perspective? And you're you're specifically Caribbean in your your case. Have you found there's any sort of different expectations of men within one community as opposed to another community? It's a big question. But have you have experienced any differences, um, both positive and negative? Yeah, uh, I think from like, I suppose in Afro-Caribbean side, being like, um, quite a masculine character is quite like important mm. for us. Mm. Um, like being a man, manly man, is very mm. important. Mm. Showing an emotion. It doesn't really come across very well in, mm. in Afro Caribbean. I mean, you want you're meant to be like quite a fierce man and mm. big guy. Mm. Um, so those limited yeah, emotions, then that archetype of, yeah. is a bit yeah. Yeah, I think that it's sort of still stuck in the way, sort of thing. Do you think it's a generational <coughs> thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think it's changing sort of slowly? Slowly, mm. not as much as maybe other communities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it is changing. Mm. Okay, and that's good. Mm. Um, what more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health or their mental health issues? I think we've just got to be really kind. Mm. I mean, and open about it with people and patient. Because um, there's a lot of people out there who really haven't got the time for it. Mm. I mean, I'm, but I'm sure they would be if they was going through what others are going through. That's the thing. They're selfish. Um, they always. I think. Uh, what I found. Yeah. I found a few people have uh, or examples of where people have said stigmatizing yeah. things, and then things happen to them, yeah. and they suddenly opens yeah. their eyes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me being one of them, actually, I, I sort of thought people were being a bit dramatic in terms of mental health and why people are going on about it. Mm. But it's only until I experienced it myself. I thought, wow. And you saw that stigma yourself, maybe. I yeah, that. and that's mm. why I was quite quiet about it. I didn't speak about it, but and even today I'm still a bit quiet about it. I don't really talk about it too much. Mm. Um, yeah. Is that because you're perhaps conscious of the attitudes you used to have and the attitude you have now? Yeah, that's growth, isn't it? You it should, is growth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm proud of that. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, push anyone away who's got mental health and came to me with a problem mm. I'll definitely try to help him in mm. any way shape or form I can and that's a good thing yeah why if you could pinpoint a reason mm. if any why do you think men have struggled do you think to open up about their emotions and, and express their vulnerability and throughout history yeah. in recent times well I think is I think people men especially don't want to come across as weak um, yeah I think being a man you want to come across as strong like nothing phases you mm. um, the, the fact that men don't cry it was meant to be like a thing is like a load of rubbish I think mm. men being emotional is good mm. you know what I mean um, 
yeah, I, I just think like it's sort of like an old fashioned way of viewing it, really. Mm. And if there's one thing that you wanted to tell the listeners about your own journey and what you've learned um, to help them, what would it be? Mm. It would be don't give up. I mean, it might it's, everything. It's a process. I mean, it might not be today tomorrow or even a month or a year but you will get better I mean don't give up mm. do never give up I mean have faith if you do believe in God say a prayer once in a while mm. you know he'll have your back as well um, also you know it's important to have a good diet as well mm. that's really like fundamental and how's that helped you well just feeling healthier feeling fitter knowing you're putting goodness into your body and not growing up feeling sluggish do you know what I mean? Mm. It all helps, even getting a good amount of sleep. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, even med- meditating, getting your, men- your mental state right mm. as well. Do you, put, do you put time aside each day to do it? I try to. Do it? I mean, my day's quite hectic. Um, I try to do it before work because mm-hmm. I tend to be in the mornings where I get anxious the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so like 10, 15 minutes, I've got an app called Calm. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, before work, I just plug in my my headphones and have a session, just breathing mm. and uh, just taking time out, mm. and it does help. I mean, yeah, those it sets you up for the day, sort mm. of thing. Yeah, mm. like and, you're ready to face on anything. And do you have you ever really have you ever pinpointed a reason why it affects you in the mornings and doesn't affect you in the evenings? Maybe or there was a scientific reason behind it. It's actually in the book. I read it, um, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's, there, yeah. there is a reason. There's a reason, yeah. and it's in the book. Mm. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Just Checking In podcast. Jacob, thank you so much for being my special guest on this edition's pod and for checking in with me. Hope you've enjoyed it and vented all that you needed to. No worries, mate. Um, as always, thank you to all the venters who've tuned in. Remember, if you like what you've heard, as always, please give us a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Or if you're feeling very, very generous, write us a review on iTunes. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, it's always okay to bet.